If you're watching this, you're a part of some very exciting news for Vintage Church as we move together into the future. Since we launched in 2014, Vintage Church has had one simple goal, connecting people to Jesus and to the local church. We believe that the local church is more than just a place you go to, an event you attend, or some other activity on your to-do list. The local church is a place to belong. It's a spiritual family. Over the last eight years, we have seen thousands of people find belonging in that spiritual family as God has continued to grow us as a church. It's amazing to think back about how we started in a movie theater in Harker Heights in January of 2014, how since then we've grown to become a family of churches serving hundreds of families throughout the Central Texas region across our three locations. With every step of faith and sacrifice we've taken as a church, whether it was opening our doors back up after a quarantine or launching two new locations to serve even more families, God has continued to bless us and trust us with more, more and more people in need of Jesus and of spiritual family. With this unprecedented growth in all ministry areas of our church, there is certainly cause for celebration. However, as you might imagine, continued growth brings with it new challenges, impacting our members, our attendees, and more so our first time guests which means these challenges have a substantial impact on our ability to reach Central Texas for Jesus. In order to continue caring for every person who walks in the doors across all three of our locations, our facilities desperately need to be updated, improved, and even expanded. Over the last year, Kyla and I have been praying alongside our board of elders and our leadership team about a major next step. And today I'm excited to announce there is more. There is More is a three-year journey designed to meet the need for our various expansion projects at all of our three locations. In 2021, our Belton location launched as a mobile church meeting in a movie theater. Soon after, God blessed us with an opportunity to purchase a permanent facility. While the facility was and is a great blessing in many ways, more work is needed to ensure that we can continue to meet the needs of the people God is sending to us here in Belton. We have continued to utilize much of our portable equipment in the kids and auditorium areas. Also, significant portions of the building still require renovation and expansion. To alleviate the congestion in the commons area, we will add additional space to the east side of the building to include larger areas for connection and enclosed indoor playscape and new auditorium exits. This addition will allow us to improve the overall traffic flow of vehicles and people, add new landscaping and sidewalks, and dramatically improve the elevation and appearance of the building and parking lot while simultaneously creating a much better experience for our members and guests inside the building. We also plan to improve access and renovate the second floor for additional kids' ministry areas. Here in Harker Heights, in just three short years since moving into our current facility, we've seen extraordinary growth and we're already extending beyond the capacity of the facility in its current state. Despite a global pandemic, we have continued to grow and our current congregation size is now requiring three weekly services to meet the need. Though growth is a good problem, the overcrowding has affected our ability to welcome new families from our area due to space constraints in our auditorium and even more so in our children's areas. To make more room, we will add additional space to the east side of the building for a larger 750 seat auditorium. This addition will allow us to renovate our existing facilities, adding additional kids' classrooms, dedicated and secured kids' restrooms, and a streamlined check-in experience. This addition will also allow us to add additional common space for better connection, more adult restrooms, flex spaces for events, and a fully enclosed indoor playscape. 
These improvements will help prepare us for the future at our Belton and Harker Heights locations. We will have facilities that can integrate into the community with a seven day a week coffee shop and connection space for people to work, families to gather, and small groups to meet. And finally, with Christian education being a part of our long-term plans as a church, these renovations will put Harker Heights and Belton in a position to take steps towards a school or a Mother's Day Out program during the week. Since launching in February of this year, our newest location in Liberty Hill has significantly impacted the community. With around 200 people in attendance each week and more on the way, our mission to reach people and build family is alive and well in Liberty Hill. But being a mobile church has brought a unique set of challenges for our location. In fact, we have the challenge of converting a school into a church and back to a school again every Sunday. And on top of that, while the school district in Liberty Hill is a willing partner with us, meeting in a school is a very short-term solution with no long-term contracts even available. In fact, earlier this year, we faced a massive disruption and we lost access to the facility we were meeting in. We had to meet in a restaurant for one week and then ultimately relocated to a completely new school. Listen, it's very simple. To make the lasting impact that we know we're called to make, we need to secure our future by purchasing land that we can call our own. With the real estate market being what it is in our area, we need to be in a position as a church to have the funds to say yes when, not if, but when God blesses us with a land miracle. And just like our other locations, we envision a property that has a state-of-the-art worship center, incredible kids' environments, and connection spaces that are open to the community. Through this campaign, we're preparing for that future by ensuring that we have the funds available to purchase land or a permanent facility when the opportunity is presented to us. Now, in the interim, we also need to upgrade our mobile kids environments, our auditorium worship experience, and perform some renovations at our local offices to sustain growth until we can build or locate that permanent facility. Wow, isn't that incredible? I know that hearing all of that makes it even more obvious that more than ever, God's not done growing our church, and so neither are we. Because every time God builds the church, more people are built into that church, and as a result, we have seen thousands of lives changed. While growth always comes with obstacles and struggles, we're excited because our problems are really just an indication that God's not finished growing our church. So now it's time to take this next step together across all three of our locations and increase our capacity to minister to children, students, and adults. As I reflect on this project, I think about the thousands of people who have come to know Christ at Vintage Church since we started. Think about it for just a moment. Where would you be today if Vintage Church wasn't in Belton, if it wasn't in Harker Heights or Liberty Hill? Would you say that God has used our church to impact your life and your family? Now think about the thousands of people that will soon experience what you have and will come to call Vintage Church home. Think about the great things God will do in their lives as we create more space for them. As you know, though we're building the kingdom of God, we're building it here on earth. And here on earth, there's a financial need to make it all a reality. And it's gonna take all of us sacrificing and exercising our faith to get there. Even in this, though it will take giving and sacrifice, we know God wants our participation, not just because of what He wants to do through us, but what He will do in us, in the process. This is really a journey of faith. And as you help to build the church, Jesus will continue to build you in the process. To complete everything we're wanting to do, we will be raising $3 million to secure financing and begin these projects. But don't be distracted by that number because what we're doing is so much bigger than that. 
This isn't about buildings, but it is about how God builds. God could have built any way he wanted to, but it's clear in scripture that God builds through the local church, a spiritual family where people connect and grow alongside each other. That's what this is all about, people, and the lives that will be changed because we say yes. In closing, I wanna be very clear about what it is I'm asking you to do. There are two dates that I want you to pay particularly close attention to. The first is Pledge Sunday. During Pledge Sunday, I'm asking that we all participate in making a financial pledge over a period of time towards the vision we've been talking about. As you pray about what to give, I want you to remember that God never expects us to bring an equal gift, but he does desire for your gift to be a sacrifice for you. The amounts will be different for each person, but everyone can do something. The second event is Miracle Offering Sunday, which happens the week after Pledge Sunday. On Miracle Offering Sunday, I'm asking that you bring your best cash gift towards your total pledge. This is a part of your overall commitment to the project. All monies received that weekend will go directly to the cash on hand we need to kickstart these projects. We are so excited for you to be a part of this God-sized vision. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says that now to the one who can do infinitely more than all we can ask or imagine, according to the power that is working among us. I love that verse because you may be thinking, this is a big step of faith, but here's the truth. With God's help and our participation, we can see this vision become a reality. Sure, individually, each of us will make an impact, but when we do it together, we will leave an even greater legacy that will impact generations to come. So please pray about what God wants to do through you as you financially invest in this necessary and exciting next step for Vintage Church. Well, man, isn't that exciting? Come on, give it up. For those of you who may be visiting with us for the first time, we actually played that video several weeks ago, just kind of laying out where we're going as a spiritual family. You're here during a very, very special time. It seems about every three years we grow to a place where our facilities simply can't handle anymore. This is why all of you have sacrificed to come early, come on, to make room in the services after you, and even this room continues uh, to fill, and so I'm super excited about what God's doing uh, in our church. You know, one of the things that I've said uh, throughout this journey is a lot of people, when they think about um, church, when they think about God or even spiritual things, they tend to separate it from what happens naturally. You know, we know that God is the God of the supernatural, right? We know that. Okay, but many of us, we, we kind of don't, we fail to realize that He's also the God of the natural. Meaning that there are certain ways of thinking, things that he's put into place, that if we do them in the natural, uh, we make a massive spiritual, supernatural uh, impact. And so we've been through several of these journeys as a church. And uh, man, God, every time we've opened up space, God's made uh, more room for more people to get saved. More families, more stories like we've heard at the beginning of every service. Matter of fact, I've got one of my favorite stories uh, I'm going to share with you in this message of life change that really started all the way back into the movie theater where we started. But first, I'm going to point us to our key passage of Scripture. If you have your Bibles, you can pull those out. If you don't, that's okay. We're going to have everything up on the screen. Uh, as always, you can download the Vintage Church app. Our team uh, puts in the notes there where you can actually go in there, fill in the blanks, put in notes, and then text uh, or email those notes to yourself. How many of you know you're smarter with a pen? You are, even with thumbs. I think you're maybe half as smart, maybe, maybe, I don't know, but we're definitely smarter when we write things down. Ephesians 3.20 uh, says this, Now to the one who can do infinitely more, everyone say more, than all we can ask or imagine, according to our power, according to our plans, according to what we want, no, according to the power that is working among us. 
There's something powerful for you individually and for us together. When believers come together, we prioritize God's kingdom. Every time we come to one of these defining moments, I talked about this in week one, we always are faced with a decision. And the decision is incredibly simple, but how many of you know sometimes the simplest things in life are not the easiest? They're difficult. They're hard. Sometimes we can forget, even as believers, the decision every one of us has to make when confronted with a crossroads or a defining moment. It's this decision Jesus says in Matthew 6.33. He says, seek first. Everyone say first. first. Seek first. Put God's kingdom as a priority in your life. Focus on his righteousness. And look what he says. And then all these things. What are all these things? All those things we worry about. All those things we wonder about. We spent uh, a worship night here. We were here last week. How many of y'all went to the worship night last week? Isn't that incredible? Every one of us has something we're believing God for. Is anybody here believing God for something personally? Of course we're believing God for something in our church, but we each have individual needs. There's something powerful here. It's a principle of God's word, and it's a principle for your life. Every time in the midst of all of your needs, when you take a time out to prioritize God and what he's doing in his kingdom, in his family the church, it's amazing how all of your needs end up getting met. I mean, following Jesus for 27 years, I can tell you at every defining moment where I've been tempted to focus on my problems, hunker down, not be as generous as I should be with my time, my talent, and yes, even my money, okay, that's the temptation we all have when we have a need, but when I've opened up my hand, Jesus says it this way, uh, he who hangs on to his life, what happens? It's, I'll, I'll paraphrase, it slips through their fingers, That makes sense when you're holding a fist, doesn't it? But the one who gives up their life for me, guess what happens? I give their life back to them. There's something about living open-handed with God that doesn't just change you, but changes everything around you. That's really what this journey is about. What I want to do in week four is we prepare for Pledge Weekend. Come on, that's next weekend. All right, I'm not going to say it again. I already said it in the video. Okay, but we're all praying, God, what would you have me to do above and beyond my regular tithes and offerings, above and beyond what I've ever done before? What would you have me do over a period of the next three years? What does that look like as we're praying about that, as we're preparing to begin that pledge on Miracle Offering Weekend? Okay, I want to talk to you uh, about perhaps one of my most favorite stories in the Bible that illustrates what's about to happen in our life. What I've seen happen in my life as I put God first. It's in the book of John chapter 6. It's actually uh, recorded. It's a miracle that's recorded by Jesus or in the Gospels, uh, three out of four of the Gospels, which are known as the Synoptic Gospels. They kind of tell a linear story. John's Gospels really, really focused on believing in Christ as the Messiah. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke are really focused on giving kind of an overview from a different perspective of Jesus' life. And for those of you who may be new to reading the Bible, you're here at 830, so you guys aren't new, but I'll say it anyways. Okay, anytime the Bible repeats itself, anything you see as a theme that repeats over and over again, God's trying to emphasize that in your life. Like in the original language in which the Bible was written, written in a few different languages, there is no like uh, exclamation mark. There's no emojis, you know? You can't just slam a text, okay? So when God wants to get your attention, what does he do? The same thing your parents do. He repeats himself. Come on, anybody. You just, you keep saying it. You're like, I got it. No, you don't. I'm going to say it again, right? That's, that's what he's doing with this story. And so there's several variations of this story, each giving us a unique perspective. I'm going to read from the book of John chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. A lot of people, when they're teaching, when they're teaching teachers or preachers or pastors how to teach, they say, listen, people can only handle a couple scriptures at a time. 
to which I say, not vintage church people. Come on. Y'all are like Christians. You love God, right? You can handle 13 verses. Can y'all handle that? Okay, here's, here's the story. John 6, 1 through 13. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great, everyone say great, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciple, for the Jewish Passover festival was near. It means the place was packed. Everyone was in from out of town. It was like Thanksgiving and Christmas. Come on, that's what he's saying. Amen. When Jesus looked up and saw a great, everyone say great, a great crowd coming toward him. He didn't run. He didn't curse the traffic. Right? He didn't call someone number one out the window. Come on. It says, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? The assumption is these people are our responsibility. That's the assumption. He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Did you know God already has a great plan for your life? He already has a great plan for this church. I'm not worried about any of it. I know God's going to come through. He's done it for 27 years. Why would he change now? He's already got a plan, but there's times in our life where he challenges us. He tests. Let me say test. He tests us. It's kind of like at Christmas time when we test our kids, you know? We just want to make sure that they love us more than they love the gifts we give them, right? Come on. A little test here. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Essentially, he's saying... (laughs) Jesus, this is impossible. It's not going to happen. Another one of his disciples piped in. Simon Peter's brother spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But then he does the same thing Philip does. But how far will they go amongst so many? It's like they didn't know Jesus at all. Sometimes we can act like that. We forget the past miracles. This miracle had already happened once in a smaller version. And then before that, the disciples of Christ, they literally, these are disciples walking with Jesus. They forgot Jesus, who he was. In the midst of a problem, in the midst of a need, here's what most people do. Somebody else will take care of it. They forget how big Jesus is and what he's called them to do. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in the place, and they sat down, getting ready to do a six-week sermon series. Come on, somebody. (laughs) About 5,000 men were there. This is mentioned because they would have had their women and children with them as well. Likely, this crowd could have pushed upwards of 20,000 people. I was just recently at a race at uh, Circuit of the Americas with my wife. It's something we look forward to all the time. My wife loves race cars. I don't know what it is, but she loves Formula One. There was like 450,000 people in one place. God, it was like hell for me. Come on, anybody? (laughs) And we're there, and we're just in one little small part of that place where there must have been maybe 10,000 people crowded. It was overwhelming. But then when the race started and everyone sat down, it was a little more organized. We could kind of see what was going on on. Jesus then took the loaves, he gave thanks, and he distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. I tell this to our staff all the time. Let nothing be wasted. Come on, anybody. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. I read the whole story up front because I'm going to go through what God's invitation looks like at the beginning of a miracle. Okay, there's a process to God's miracle working power in you, through you, and even in the church. It's the same process. Whether you're believing God for something personal, that's what I love about this whole process. Because in turning our attention towards the kingdom of God, we also learn principles that help us hear, right, God's answers to our own prayers. 
You know, I had a pastor say this one time, God's created you to be a channel, not a reservoir. But he did say, even the pipes get wet. Come on, somebody. Even the pipes are blessed, right? We're still alive and moving forward in our own life. That's how God works. But there's a process here, and, it, and you may gloss over it if you don't just pause and look. But there's a process that God's wanting to put in each of us when he invites us into, by the way, God's not a tyrant or a bully. I'll never stand up here and say, you've got to. But God doesn't do that. The Bible says out of the, out of the and, and as much as it, you've been given, people freely give. Like out of the abundance of the heart, right, comes life. The truth of the matter is God's been good to every one of us if we stop and pause. What does his invitation look like through this story that he repeated over and over again? The first thing we see is God's invitation starts with a need. Write that down. This is exciting. How many of you have a need? Come on. We have a need. You have a need. I know you have a need. I I was looking through some of the prayer cards, you know. I I came down with strep throat, so I wasn't there. You're welcome. None of you all have it because I wasn't here. But I was looking through the prayer cards, and I was looking at the needs that everyone has. Needs for wayward sons and daughters to come home. Needs for relationships to be restored. Needs for physical healing. Needs for, like, dreams of being able to be a blessing to other, others while overcoming financial hardship and, and issues. Man, it was absolutely incredible to, to, list, to read those cards and to realize, man, everyone has a need. The church also has a need. Just come hang out next service. Don't. We don't have any room for you. But anyways... <laughs> Like, there's a need. Here, here's the point is, every time there's a need, God doesn't say, oh, man, that's too big. It actually makes you a candidate for the miracle. Look at the need. This crowd was hungry, right? It was hungry. The next thing we see is God's invitation. It's sensed by his disciples. One of the tests of true discipleship isn't what you take, but it's what you give. And we have to sense the needs as believers around us. You know, I tell our huddle every week, and and we've had some people actually leave our serve team because they think it's kind of mean and, and they don't like it. But that's okay. That's okay. I'm okay with that. But I'll huddle them up and I'll go around and, how are y'all feeling this morning? And, you know, sometimes if it's kind of dreary, it's cold, you know, they'll kind of be like, oh, I'm tired. My, this is going on. This person's in the hospital. There's all kinds of, everyone has problems, right? We all have issues we're facing. By the way, you never know what somebody else's problem is. You could walk with a little more empathy and love. You really could. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm going around the list and I go, okay, okay. Think about the biggest problem in your life. Close your eyes. Let it out. Great. Now I want you to take the biggest problem in your life, and there's a box over here. I want you to open that box. You doing it? You open that box? Open that box. A little visualization. Y'all okay? Open that box. I want you to take that massive problem, and I want you to put it in the box. Then I want you to close the box, and for the next three hours, I want you to think about somebody that's not you. I want you to see the people that walk through our door. I want you to completely put it away. You can't change it anyways. Right? And I want you to focus on serving others. I, it, you know, it's, it's amazing what happens. Here's what happens. When they go back at the end of service, and they've been giving and loving and serving. Everyone knows it's more blessed to give than receive. doesn't matter. Everyone knows that. Everyone who gives knows that. Every parent at Christmas knows that's true. They go back to that box and they open it up. And guess what? That big old nasty problem they put in there, it's a lot smaller than it was when they put it in there. That's how God uses us. It's a huge deal. As disciples, we got to know as disciples of Christ, when we sense a need, we can't go, oh, but I have so much other things going on in my own life. It's when we're able to go, you know what? I do have a lot of that. And you know what? God's big enough for all of it. I'm going to put that aside, and I'm going to seek first. Everyone say first. God's kingdom. I believe that's actually how you can tell a disciple from anyone else. 
I love Jesus in another passage where he's telling the exact same story in Mark 6, 37. He literally, <laughs> he looks at his disciples. I love this. He looks at his disciples uh, when they bring this problem to him, and he goes, you give them something to eat. How many times do we go, God, remove the mountain? Right? That's like one verse taken out of context terribly. I don't know about you in your life, but my, me in my life, God says, no, I'm with you. I'm going to go up that mountain. When we come down, you're going to be stronger because you went up it. That's what this process really is all about. There's all these crowds of people, right? By the way, the ministry caused the problem. Jesus was really good at healing people and got really, really famous. And guess what happened? He caused the crowd. Did you know God causes it? God's the reason. God's the reason. Next thing we see is God's invitation requires faith. I want you to think about Jimmy in verse 8 and 9. We're going to call him Jimmy. I don't know what his name was, but the little boy with the lunch, he's mentioned very lightly. Let's call him Jimmy. There's something we learn from this miracle. You got to get this. You got to get this. There was only one person in that crowd that didn't need a miracle. You know who it was? Jimmy. Jimmy listened to his mom that morning and packed his lunch. Jimmy was completely prepared. Jimmy read his proverb that morning. That's how God works. When everybody does their part, it's how God works. Think about that. That bread and that fish, that's one day's lunch for a teenage Jimmy. I think it was a teenage Jimmy. It's quite a bit of food. You have teenagers, you know what I'm talking about. He was the only one that didn't need a miracle, and yet it was because he offered. The disciples did not take that young boy's lunch. Just like he will not make you obey him. Just like he will not make you do what he tells you to do. He won't do it. You're most blessed when you do, but he will not force you. He will not twist you. He will not do it. But there's something that happens. Jimmy freely gives what would only feed him for a day to feed others. It's crazy what happens. That, that's actually the miracle. Think about this for a minute. It requires faith. Many of us, we want God to move in our life without our participation. God doesn't work that way. It's as we're serving, as we're giving, as we're leading, as we're pouring out to this world that God, the Bible says, continues to provide seed to the sower. That you can't outgive God in any area of your life, whether it's your time, your abilities, your stuff, God is faithful. So here's the question. Why is it hard at times to give up our lunch? I don't know about you, but sometimes it's hard for me to give up my lunch. I came prepared, you know? The debtor is slave to the lender. Come on, Proverbs a day. We love to use Proverbs to not do what God tells us to do, right? Why is it hard? I think the first reason is it's easier to ignore others when we're comfortable. Jimmy didn't have a need. It's easier when your needs are met to not be aware of anyone else's. It's just easier. It's easier when you can just, you know, get a virtual video visit from your physician to not believe God for your healing. It's easier when you have all kinds of other ways to go. It's easier when you feel completely comfortable. I've said this several times. I believe it's true. Prosperity, by and large, has made the church in the West weak. And by the grace of God, you know, maybe that'll change a bit. Maybe we'll get a little stronger. We'll start to rely on God a little bit more. I think the next reason is God often asks us to do things that don't make sense. Think about this. It often. doesn't make sense to us. It doesn't make, listen, kingdom map doesn't make sense. It's not the same. Think, think about it for just a minute. This would be like trying to, trying to feed a sellouts crowd at a Mavericks game with a Happy Meal. I think sometimes we go, what's my Happy Meal? What's my Happy Meal in the midst of the need? God didn't say you need to meet the need. He says you need to do what I tell you to do. We learned about obedience a couple weeks ago. 
And here's what happens. It's crazy. In the family of God, it doesn't rely on just one person. But when every person does what God tells them to do, guess what? Everything's taken care of. And, and the Bible says, ha, Bible says here, this is emphasized to every one of these stories. Were there leftovers? We're always worried if we can have enough. And Jesus says, now there's baskets left over. It's hard to give when you, can't, when you don't have enough to feed yourself, isn't it? God wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing. That's really what this is all about. Take, write this down if you're taking notes. I'm going to share a powerful testimony with you. God multiplies what you offer him. This is in every area of your life. You offer God a lot, guess what? That multiplier is a lot. You offer God a little, that multiplier is a little. Right? It's in every area of your life. Right? In every area that you, you bring under the truth of God's word, that you, you give to God. This process is not just about building the church. It's about building your life. And as God builds your life, guess what? Big people build great churches. I'm not worried about all that. If you can get this idea that in your hand, it's just a sack lunch that feeds you for a day. But in God's hands, he can multiply it and make a massive difference. And you'll end up with more than you started with. How many baskets? Jimmy got to eat. I bet he, I bet he was a teenager. I bet he ate a lot more than what he brought. I bet his mom, like, you know, rationed him. You know? There were no rations with Christ. God always multiplies what you give him. And, you know, as we've been in this journey as a church, as we've, over the years, we've gone through this process. We just know it. We're walking you through a process. Listen, this isn't theory. This isn't theory for me. My wife and I, we're doing the same thing. We're asking, as a matter of fact, our leaders are meeting tonight because leaders go first. There are 62 building projects in the Bible, and every single one of them, the leaders offered willingly above and beyond first. All of our leaders will be here tonight. My wife and I would go through this process, and every time we go, God, what is it this time? But every time, God's always provided. You know what's happened as we've said yes, and we've invited others to say yes. God's also brought in people far from him. There are some of you in here that had this building not been open, you wouldn't even be growing in your faith. Now it's time for you to do for someone else what was done for you. There are some of you in here, by the way, you're brand new. We don't ask anything of you. Be blessed. But, but you're here. You're able to hear the gospel, able to find community and family because somebody else said yes. It makes me think about this story, this couple that started in our church all the way back in the theater, one of our longest standing members. To see God's work in their life over the years has been absolutely astounding. There's something powerful when you say yes to God's way. As a matter of fact, before we go any further, I want you to take a look at this testimony. God never moves in our life and church without our participation. It isn't because he wants something from us, but because he has something for us. Sometimes God invites us to give up our lunch to experience a miracle. God is not a tyrant or bully. He'll never make us do anything against our will. But when we align our will to his, he paves the way to infinitely more in our life and our world. As a military family with two kids, I received orders to move to Fort Hood in 2013 for the second time. <laughs> we were both not looking forward to moving back, and we were hoping we could do our time here and move on to the next duty station quickly. After a year of just waiting for time to pass while also struggling with inexplainable fertility issues, I decided I wanted to return to church. It had been a really long time since I had attended church, and Tyler had only attended occasionally growing up, so it was like starting over for both of us. We found Vintage, and we showed up. We actually missed service that day, but we were invited to stay for the membership class that was happening right after service. We stayed, and we both knew right away that God was calling us here. We jumped in and took every step laid out for us. 
Lindsay started serving on the kids team, and I immediately jumped in on the setup and teardown team. At the time, we were doing services at the Cinemark, and it was quite a bit of work putting it all together. We shortly joined a small team, a small group, and within weeks had friends who were more like family, something we hadn't experienced in a long time. A few months later, we were pregnant after two years of trying and being treated for infertility, and we were ecstatic. But nine weeks later, we lost the baby, and we were devastated. With me having just renewed my walk with God and Tyler just starting out, it would have been easy for us to just turn and run, but instead we decided to lean in and we continued to serve. We took every opportunity to grow. We began tithing and trusting God with every part of our lives, even when it was hard, even when it didn't make sense. We got to be a part of the move from the movie theater into the bingo hall, which was Vintage's first building. And shortly after, I took the position of Vintage Kids Director. During that time, though, I was starting to get medically separated from the Army, and our future wasn't quite sure where we were going to be. We had a choice to either move home and be back near family, or stay in Central Texas and plant ourselves at Vintage Church. And we knew immediately what God, that God was telling us to stay. As a family, we were growing together and in our relationships with Jesus. But over the next seven years, we would get pregnant and lose a baby nine more times. Anytime you walk through any sort of trauma, it impacts you, it impacts your relationships, it impacts your family. Had we not been here at Vintage, surrounded by people who supported us, but also pushed us when we needed it, our lives may have ended up looking differently than they do now. Yet through every challenging moment, we remained faithful, we trusted God. Being a part of a church that not only wants you to grow, but also provides so many ways for you to do so, is why we are where we are now, in our relationships with each other, and our jobs, and now with our kids having their own faith and their own walks with Jesus. Seeing God's grace and faithfulness not only in our lives, but in the lives of so many people we have walked with over the last eight years has been an incredible journey. And we are ready to see what happens next as we continue to seek God as we grow as a spiritual family. After 10 years of waiting, we're currently expecting our long-awaited baby. Every circumstance surrounding this pregnancy can only be described as a miracle, and we can't wait to see what else God will do. Man. You guys, you guys got to hear Pastor Lindsay last week, didn't you? Pretty incredible. She now runs the whole place, in case you're wondering. Any problems you have? Anything you're frustrated about, I will give you her email right after service. You can follow up with her. It's so funny just to see how, you know, how you step out, you listen to God, and you just keep your feet planted. Did you know that there's only one way you lose in the Christian life? You quit. You're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have issues. You're going to have problems. I'll tell you, you have a lot more support in a spiritual family. When I think about what we're doing and the process that we've gone through, at the end of every one of those processes, there are stories like Lindsay's, stories like Collins, all of the stories that you've heard. We could probably get a lot better at telling all of the stories. Make no mistake, every single time we make room for more people, God always brings people in that find family, find hope, find relationship, and all of that. A lot of people will say, well, the church isn't a building. That's true. Any more than the family is their house. But what does their house represent? context, a place and a space for them to grow, a greenhouse, right, for them to grow up and into all that God's created them to do. And that's really what this is all about. I'm going to have you do something real quick. Underneath your seat, we put in a sack lunch. Pull, pull, pull that open. That's what this is, a little sack lunch. 
You know, over the years, I've never been shy about asking people to build God's kingdom. Do you know why? Because every time we build God's kingdom, you're built up as well. And I just learned a long time ago, if I really love people, I'm going to tell them the truth unashamedly, and I'm going to encourage them to go with us. You know, we've been in this process. We've been praying about what to pledge. We've been praying about what to start our pledge with that next weekend, Miracle Offering Sunday. And I want to encourage you uh, this week to take this home and to really remember John 6. Remember Jimmy. Remember Jimmy, because we're all Jimmy. (laughs) We're all Jimmy. Not one of us has everything that the body needs, but we all have something to contribute, some part of what God wants to do to make more room for other people. I'm gonna encourage you to pray over this. I'm also gonna ask that you bring your pledge card back next week. Next week is Pledge Sunday. We're gonna have a moment in service where I'm asking everybody to do what God tells them to do. I believe if everybody does what God tells them to do, we're gonna have more than enough, amen, to do everything he's called us to do. Bring that back uh, this week, uh, this coming Sunday. It's gonna be a big moment in service. I wanna encourage you Uh, to do that. As you're giving, I also want to just teach you something that I learned several years ago from my pastor, and then we're going to be done. There really are three levels of giving uh, when you step out to obey God. By the way, when I talk about giving, giving isn't just financial, right? As a believer, we give everything we have, right? You give parts of your life to Christ that are dark and not working so that what? He can return them back to you better than they were before, you give your talents, your abilities every week when you serve and when you, when you prioritize coming to church at 8.30. I hope most of you are serving for 9.45 and 11.15. If not, we need your help. Lindsay will be right back there to receive everybody uh, for that. But it's also very financial. There's something very tangible about our resources. We trade our life for our resources. Think about that, right? Time is what? Money. That's what everyone says. You won't ever get it back. So one of the most tangible things we can do is actually give God part of our resource to build up his kingdom. And I've noticed this in my own life as I've prepared my own heart to give. There's kind of been like three levels that I've given over the years. Like when I first started giving, I asked this question, what can I afford? You know, this is kind of where all of us start, honestly. Like you kind of look at your budget and you kind of go, well, like what extra do I have? Here's what this is. What can I give and not give anything up? That's the first level. We all start there, by the way. We all start there. But then as you start to grow and mature, okay, you get to this next question. This next question is, what can I sacrifice? You know, this is where we start kind of looking a little closer at like how much that triple shot, vanilla latte, joka, java, frappa, whatever is. And we're like, man, that's $10, man. I'm spending $1,000 a year, you know. And we go, I'm going to sacrifice for a purpose. I'm going to rearrange some things. I'm going to defer some stuff so that I can really sacrifice. I believe that's an important level. God's called us to sacrifice. But ultimately, God really, what he really wants is this third level. And this is really the obedience level. This is the faith level of God. And it says, what can I trust God to do through me? As Kyle and I have walked through this process, we've gotten to this last question and we said, God, no matter what you say, you will provide. The Bible says God provides the seed to the sower. It's not ours anyways. We learned that in week two, stewardship, right? It all belongs to him. So God, what is it that you want me to commit? And here's what I would tell you to do. I would never tell you an amount. I would never try to nail you down on exactly what. That's weird. Don't go to churches who do that. It's weird. It's manipulative. Remember, Bible says we bring gifts freely, not begrudgingly, to build the kingdom. I would encourage you to just ask this question. God, what are you calling me to do? And here's what I would tell you to do after that. He's going to tell you. I want you to write it down, and then it's crazy. I just want you to do what he tells you to do. I believe if we do that, God's going to meet us on the other side. Amen? Come on. All right, let's pray. God, I thank you so much. 
for the power of your word. I thank you, Father, that your word works in every area of our life. That, God, you build a certain way. And that, Father, as we learn your ways, we are most blessed. And I pray right now, Father, for every single person in here, that by your Holy Spirit, you would speak to them about what they're supposed to do. Not what their neighbor's supposed to do. But, Father, what they're supposed to do with what you've put in their hands. What's their lunch? What are they called to give, to sacrifice, to obey you with? And then, Father, I just pray for the faith for them to do it. I also pray, Father, for those of us in here that maybe they're far from you. Maybe they don't know you. Their next step is not to do anything (laughs) with this project, but it's to get their life right with you. And I pray that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would draw those people to you, that they would not leave this place the same way that they came. We love you, Lord. As heads are bowed, eyes are closed, we're going to stay in a moment of prayer. No one looking around for just a few moments. We're, We're almost finished. And I'm actually early somehow. It's the most important thing that we do every single week, week in and week out, is we provide a place and a space for people far from God to draw near to him. If you're in here today and you're far from God, I don't need to put a magnifying glass on your life. I'm not gonna ask you awkward questions. You know if you're not serious about your relationship with God. You know if you've started following him, but you're not following him now. You know if you've never followed him, but you're being uh, led by the spirit to make him your Lord and savior. In a moment, I'm gonna pray for you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse nine, that the way to God is through belief through an act of free will, giving your life to him. It says on the other side of that is salvation and righteousness. In other words, the life you were made to live. In a moment, I'm gonna pray for you. If you're here, you're far from God, you don't wanna be. I'm not gonna embarrass you, single you out, or do anything weird. But if you're in there and say, Pastor, that's me, would you pray for me? Would you just put your hand up halfway and put it back down? Is there anybody in here you say, you know, that's me, that's me. Anybody in here before we change the order of the service, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're never the only one. It's the most important decision you can ever make. Thank you anyone else you say pastor that's me i'm far from god i don't want to leave the same way i want to grow i want to move forward in my faith is there anyone else you say pastor that's me in a moment we're going to pray a prayer i want to encourage you if you raised your hand and you really meant it to allow this prayer to be an expression of your heart it's going to be prayed right out of romans chapter 10 verse 9 i want you to say this prayer just loud enough where you can hear your own voice i believe god's going to speak something to you my advice is listen to him we're also going to give you next steps as a matter of fact every christian around you is going to pray this prayer loud just so they can encourage your faith. I believe God's going to meet you on the other side. Church, let's pray with them. Let's everyone pray. Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth, for living a perfect life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I believe that you are good, and I believe you're God. I believe on the third day after you were killed on the cross, that you resurrected from the dead. I believe you defeated death forever to give me eternal life. Today I choose life. Today I make you my Lord, my Savior, and my King. Today I'm new. Use me and lead me into all that you have for me. It's in your name that I pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's go. Let's put our heads together.